Steven, my Steven, my Steven, my Steven and me. Kid Eller, a Kid Eller, oh. Kid Eller and me. <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to your absolute favorite horror movie review podcast and all the known multiverse. Dead mm-hmm. and lovely, here with your host with the most, it's me, Good old Uncle Ben, and who's that, gosh, who is that extremely handsome-sounding voice I got on the other end of this line? Is this, is this John Hamm? Who is this? It's me, John Hamm. <laughs> Hi. I went to the University of Missouri. Um, I don't know any other facts about myself. You're an imposter, I can tell, because they don't say Missouri. They say Missouri. Missouri. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's me. Hollywood Steve Spratling. You tell me this is Wolfpack Steve from out there in the Hollywood Hills. That's who I've got. <laughs> N-W-O. <laughs> Are you still the reigning champ out in them hills, Steve? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I walk around every day with my belt. People stare jealously, probably. I don't know. How many times did you pile drive Delilah this week? That bitch. Listen, she, she called me out. I don't know if you heard about this. You I saw this? this. You heard She's about this? She's talking shit. She called me out. She's talking shit. That Delilah, she wants... She wants just me at SummerSlam. So I tell that bitch, bring it on. Let's do this at Royal Rumble. Why wait until summer? Shoot. Let's have a, a hair versus hair match. Damn. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to uh, cut your hair, Delilah. I'm into it, man. I cannot wait to see this this gender-bending, hellacious, <laughs> razzling event. Yeah, it's going to be like that tennis match. Uh, the participants of which I do not know the names of. But one was a man and one was a woman. You know what? It's funny you mentioned that because you're talking about the tennis match featuring old old Billie Jean King and Bobby That's Riggs. That's right. That was talked uh-huh. about in the movie Battle of the Sexes, which I saw today. Really? I did. That's amazing coincidence that you just happened to bring that up. Huh. Uh, I Did you enjoy it? Was it good? It was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. good, man. Steve Carell is uh-huh. the shit. He's fucking awesome. And Emma Stone is wonderful. Uh-huh. And I think she's yeah. great. Um, you like Emma Stone? I didn't really know anything about the actual story of the entire match. I just knew that it was a major shit talking event, you know, man versus yeah. woman kind of thing. And I knew that she yeah. won in the end. But other than that, I didn't really know anything about it. So the movie kind of explores a lot of the stuff about like her, her life and what she was going through at that time period where... I guess she was also kind of figuring out that she was a lesbian at that point, too. Yeah. So that's like a really big part of the movie and stuff. Um, it was really interesting. It was a really interesting portrait of, of uh, blatant, ridiculous sexism that existed back then, but then at the same time also still exists today. Cause like, Absolutely. Because we still don't play co-ed tennis. And we have the grab by the pussy guys president. So there's, there's yeah. That. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Uh, our president wants to grab them all by the pussy. Yeah. You can Gotta if grab you're them rich. All. Well, that's true. You just you got as he said, you move on them like a bitch. Yeah. I'm not sure what that means. Listen, somebody's got to tell him these these pussies ain't Pokemon's. You can't catch them all, dude. That's not the objective. Hmm. I don't know. I used to be Mormon. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That is the objective of... <laughs> Wives, gotta catch them all. Wives, gotta catch them all. <laughs> no, Mormons don't do that anymore, guys. It's Get true. off their backs. It's Unless, true. of course, they're any of the numerous uh, offshoots of Mormonism that all offshot because they want to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of their jam. It's kind of working for them, so they kind of want to keep going for it, you know? Yeah, it's like, I, I don't understand. I enjoy marrying my 12-year-old niece. Um, what's wrong with that? 
I mean, hell, dude, we've seen worse on Game of Thrones, and that shit's popular as hell. <laughs> That's true. Oh my god. That's all those, uh, like, Mormon sects need is to just become a reality show and everybody be like, oh, this is great. Do you think that, like, all these fundamentalist Mormon families out there are, like, wiping the sweat off their brows and being like, damn, they're really taking the heat off of our style of family unit? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they're watching Game of Thrones and they're like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. This is, I enjoy this. Now, that's what I call romance. <laughs> Where's my twin brother? Let's do this. Ooh. But yeah, Battle of the Sexes was good, man. I definitely I definitely enjoyed it. Some really great performances in there, and it really stuck to like the super 70s aesthetic. Like it didn't look like a 2017 movie. It looked like a, you know, early 70s kind of flick, really uh unsaturated, uh grainy film look and stuff. Cool. It was definitely good. Have you, have you watched anything good this week? Yeah, I watched a couple of movies. Uh I finally saw Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yes. Did it get good to you? Oh yeah, it's great. I enjoyed it. Uh, it is it is a little long if you pay attention to the time, but if you don't pay attention to the time, it just I think it flows well. I got gotcha. you. And Michael Keaton is great. He destroys as it. Vulture. Yeah, um, I really liked it. I thought uh, obviously Tom Holland is amazing, and I don't mean director of Child's Play Tom Holland, unless <laughs> unless that kid directed Child's Play as a. A sperm, I would imagine. <laughs> he was just a tadpole with a dream and a camera. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Tom Holland's great. I think we've said this before that he, he's just great for Spider-Man. I mean, I finally, so he's a he, he looks like a teenage boy. He acts like that perfectly sort of snarky, smart, but also like good guy. Uh, element of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. I, I really liked it. I had a lot of fun watching it. How tense was that scene, and I'll try not to spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but that scene where he picks up his prom date, how fucking tense was that shit? Oh my god. Yeah, that was real tense. Like, and they played it so well. Oh, like, yeah. because you know, the only two people that should be tense are, uh, I mean, you know, we, we get Peter being tense immediately because he he knows who he's looking at right but you also get the vulture slowly realizing who he's looking at shit yeah yeah that's it's a real good scene i really enjoyed it i did too man i thought that was awesome it's cool too that like the most intense scenes of the movie neither of them are in their costumes like it's not them being superheroes fighting like it's just like them as two people that know secrets about each other and i think it's probably the most like intense scene I've, i've probably seen in a marvel movie honestly yeah, and the um, there. I mean, not to give too much away, uh, in case somebody hasn't seen it. But there is a scene where Spider-Man is basically covered in in rubble, mm-hmm, yeah. and it it has a a moment that we it has been kind of missing since Iron Man one, which is a moment of extreme vulnerability for our hero. Right. Yeah. Where you're like, I think he might be fucked. Yeah, Iron Man One has that with you know the the him getting uh, bombed in that Humvee and then you know in the cave where he basically you know if uh, if that battery goes off his his heart will get shredded like yeah. he's extremely in an extremely vulnerable moment and then he uses his power which is just his intelligence but he uses his power to get out of it the same thing with you know Spider-Man Homecoming he's in this real intense moment where he's never he's never displayed 
the type of power that he needs to display in this moment. And he he gives up for a second, which is like, uh, it's good. I mean, that's how any teenager would react in that moment. Like, they've not had the experience, gone through as much hardship and stuff to realize that, like, oh, I can't give up. I have to figure something out. Yeah. He gives up for a little bit and then, like really goes for it and it's i thought it was a very effective scene i think that what you're talking about with his lack of experience is one of the things that i really liked the most about that movie is is because if you were a what 16 year old right right with suddenly these superpowers you would not ace it every time immediately like most of this movie is him fucking up actually like he only gets it right maybe 10 or 20 percent of the time and then all the other times it's him like either abusing his powers or being stupid or just making bad choices. I really liked that about it because I thought that was just very realistic for what it would actually be like to be a teenager with those kinds of powers. I'm glad that you dug it. I I definitely hope that we explore more of him as Spider-Man and that writing team and that universe that they've set up for us. I was also happy that they uh, didn't show that scene where they kill you every time. Yeah, yeah, good old Uncle Ben, man. He He was already gone when it kicked off. Yeah, I, I was glad they just skipped it. Like, there was nothing. I've had enough, no reason. Yeah, there was no reason to show our poor Uncle Ben getting killed again. But, I mean, maybe he doesn't know now, though, that with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> you know, I watched a bunch of other good stuff this week, Steve, too, because it's, um, as we record this, we are just getting into the month of October... And uh, it's October 2nd now because it's passed over midnight, but today was October 1st. So my my wife and I celebrated by watching the OG Halloween while we ate some fajitas, which was a fantastic choice. Yeah. Um, Always a fucking winner. Damn it, I love that movie so much. If you haven't already, be sure to go back and listen to our Halloween episode that we did a couple months ago, listeners. Mm Mm-hmm. You get to learn about my Pooh Bear fetish, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. We we love <laughs> we love some fucking some Pooh Bear and man some Donald Duck and uh huh. <laughs> and uh, we also watched the original fucking Ghostbusters recently too. Awesome. It's just that is one great. of the fucking best, dude. It it is. It is so good. That movie is so good. I totally agree, man. I don't think anything really has been made before or after it that mimics that same tone because it's like it's it's really funny but it's dry funny it's like scientist yeah. funny you know yeah i really enjoy it i uh i've seen that movie so many times yeah totally and every time i watch it like something new pops out to me like the last few times i've watched it one of the things i noticed was wait a second is Ray walking around with a cigarette in his mouth just to drop the cigarette comically? I think so. Because we don't, we don't see him smoke any other time, I don't think. No, He's I don't just think got so. this cigarette, and then suddenly he comically drops a cigarette. Is like, it when it's like kind of like dangling off of his fucking lip? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's so good, man. And the special effects, the special effects in it are so fantastic. And the sound, dude, the soundtrack is amazing. Yes. And like. I, I'm still amazed at the fact that, uh, first off, Ghostbusters is a comedy, um, and people took it as such, but it has horror movie elements. It does, for exactly. Sure. It has a lot of them, in fact, mm-hmm. and it ends with, you know, a demon gate opening and, and Zool and all that stuff, and like, 
all of that stuff to me seems like it would be so outside of what uh, the average person would want to go see at the theater, but it wasn't true. I mean, Ghostbusters did so well did. at the theater. It, it's like almost like it was. It, it's like it's Guardians of the Galaxy of that day. Uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, where it's like yeah. it's a legit genre movie, like how Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy is a legit good sci-fi movie, but it's funny, but it's intelligent, but kids can watch it, but adults can watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody can jump in and watch it and enjoy it. And, like, there's so many interesting levels to it and stuff. Yeah, Ghostbusters is great. Awesome. I'll tell you how I know I've gotten wiser as I've grown, Steve. Because when I was a kid, I liked Ghostbusters 2 better than 1. What a fucking <laughs> I understand idiot. that. I understand that. I actually, when I was little, uh, I liked the Ghostbusters cartoon the most. Oh, shit, yeah. And then it was tough for me. I do think I probably did like the second one better. Because it's more comical it's not as uh it's not as a it's not as good of a story for mm -hmm. sure no and if you watch it now as an adult you're like why did i like this but if you think about it it's like well they're all these wacky ghosts that's what we liked i think i like too that there was like a painting in it since i was all about art and stuff like that i think i like that aspect a lot and you were like i'm gonna get me some of that slime stuff and paint with it Oh, man, dude. Yeah, so we've been watching all kinds of good stuff. I'm excited, you know, as we get into October, because that's when we, of course, watch the most scary movies and stuff like that. So we're going to be watching a whole bunch more here as we go along this month. So as we do our Halloween episodes, be sure to expect a lot of updates about what other great shit we've been watching lately over here. Now, let me go ahead and recommend that you don't watch something that I watched this week. Yeah. Jeepers Creepers 2. So you put yourself through watching the second one. I did. I did. You we, didn't uh, pay for it, our... did you? Hell no. Fuck yeah. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum, I say. Um, <laughs> what I, I've I've heard from people on, on the Instagram and on, yeah. on our Facebook page that uh, Jeepers Creepers 2 was really the movie they liked. Uh, and I watched it, and you know what? It is better than the first one. Is it? Uh, but it's it's better only minimally. Like there's more action and less of it. Uh, less there's less to question. You know, because when we were watching uh, talk about the first one, the real question was like, so do they, all the people in the town have to know about this? Yeah, sure. Right, and they're basically just covering it up. But then, like, there's no display that they're covering it up. It seems like everybody's completely surprised by it. Yeah. Um, in the second one, they just kind of eliminate that and and make the story smaller, which helps. I'd say uh, so. But it's also more child molesty. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering yeah. about that. The first victim is a uh, is uh, a boy who I think is supposed to be fourteen in the movie. He, the actor himself was fifteen. Yuck! Which I don't know how that happens, dude. That's the thing. I, I don't understand that. Like, if you're a convicted fucking child molester, as the director of Jeepers Creepers is, yeah, then you know you have all kinds of rules and regulations. Like, you can't go within so many yards of a fucking school or daycare or anything like that. Like, yeah. How how do the rules get bent so much that you, a convicted child molester, can have a fucking 15-year-old on your set? You know, it's I read up. 
I read a theory today about Jeepers Creepers 1. Okay. Uh, which I found uh, to be just a great like reading of the movie. And I, I wish I had written... T- it, it was just a commenter on AV Club. Mm-hmm. But I wish I had written down the, the username. Anyway, basically, his theory is that Jeepers Creepers 1 is a is uh, a hate letter to the kid that Victor Salva molested. Oh, like and, the kid that turned him in or whatever? Yeah, and basically Justin Long is that kid and um Ugh. really the ending where he steals his eyes and then looks through his eye holes is like basically his way of saying Francis Ford Coppola is my executive producer, and you don't have a career in Hollywood anymore. Fuck you. It's like I'm the one looking at you through the screen. Yeah, here. I'm I'm the one on the big screen, asshole. Also, it's I, disgusting. God, I don't I don't want every week to become Jeepers Creepers disgustingness, <laughs> but uh, apparently he had been molesting that kid since he was six. So for six years. Holy shit. And Victor Salva, when he was booked as a child molester, was listed at six feet tall, 350 pounds. It's a large man. Yeah, there's a very large man. Um, Did you see so, his mugshot? He's like fucking smiling in his mugshot. Ugh. He's smiling. Well, Revolting. I guess you would too if you knew that when you get out of jail, not only will you make a movie for Disney, but you'll also have three horror movies that make so much money and they're executive produced by Francis Ford Coppola. That's fucked up. Like, come on. That's insane. You just gotta quit, you know, Hollywood has just gotta quit enabling disgusting people to keep getting work, dude. I just can't believe it. And now, you know, of course we got that third one coming out and I've heard rumors that he's slated to do a fourth one too and it's like, guys, quit. Just quit. Yeah, it's already, yeah, it's already been approved. The third one apparently had some lines cut out, and one of the lines was basically uh, about a girl who had to leave her stepdad's home because he was trying to fuck her. And Dude. one of the characters said, the heart wants what the heart wants. No, man. Yeah, so they had to cut that out for the theatrical release, but apparently they shot it. So it got so far as everybody was like, yeah, no, this is fine. This couldn't. This couldn't mean anything else. Yeah, there's no way convicted child rapist uh, Victor Salva could possibly mean anything by this. <laughs> anyway, dude, that is way fucked up. But you know what else is really fucked up, Steve? Is our our movie of choice that we're going to be talking about here on the show Hell today? Yeah. Child's Play from 1988. Woo-woo. That's right. A little Chucky. I had a good time watching this one, man. Now let me ask you, Steve. Was this the first time you ever watched this flick? Oh, no, I've seen this. Uh, I probably saw this in 88. I, I remember watching this growing up. Wow. So you saw this when you were like a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. This actually, I'll be honest with you. As far as horror movies that little kids might see go, this is one that doesn't have boobs in it. Uh, True. No boobs. We know people hate seeing, hate for kids to see boobs. Not that. Um... I mean, it's got violence and blood, but that's no big deal. Yeah, kids can, kids can deal that, with that, right? Uh, but it, it also teaches you that your toys are evil and you should run from them. It kind of did. I'm so glad that I didn't see this when I was a kid, man. <laughs> I'm so glad. 
you had a My Buddy doll sitting in the corner? Well, I mean, I've already talked about my, my Snuffleupagus doll issues yeah. and stuff like that. Like, I think that seeing this at age four or five would have kicked that into, like, fucking hyperdrive, you know? Oh, absolutely. It did that to me, obviously. Like, I've, I've said before that I... Uh, I had a fear of dolls before even seeing Child's Play, right. and then afterward, it's just like, oh, fuck dolls. Get them away. <laughs> I think that I saw this the first time probably about, I think only about 10 years ago. I think I was probably in like my early mid-20s whenever I saw this the first time, and uh, I liked it. I remember this is one of those ones that like right as I was getting into horror movies, I watched this one, I was like, yeah, this is pretty good, but then, you know, I watched it again, um... Gosh, yeah, probably probably just for the second time last week, you know, in oh, preparation okay. for this episode. And I was I was really pleasantly surprised. I'm like, I really enjoy watching this flick, man. And uh-huh. I don't know, I kind of gravitate usually towards the typical, you know, big badass monster kind of baddies like a Freddy and a Jason and stuff like that. But uh, this little doll has great effect to it. It absolutely does. And... Um, it, it easily could have been a bad movie. Yeah. I mean, it could have been uh, the mom trying to convince the police for an hour and a half that the doll was real. It easily could have ended with the doll not being real and the kid was actually the killer. Right. And, uh, like, those things would have just been like, ah, oh, fuck this. This is so dumb. Uh, what it did do was it had, it has cops who are, uh, they're obviously cautious about the idea that a doll <laughs> came to life and killed people yeah but convinced on site and that they that is not pushed off until the end of the movie it happens somewhere near the middle sure so so we have uh everybody's on board what i hate in a horror movie is when like the thing that's killing people is so hard for everyone to accept mm -hmm. as real and like the whole movie is basically just convincing people that it is real right that's not what happens here a doll is killing people it has you know uh, it has this agenda that we learn about slowly it slowly gets revealed we get to know more about this uh killer serial killer charles lee ray is that his name i believe that's correct yeah and like, it, it, we get everything revealed over time. There's not a big drag in the movie. And any of those things could have easily happened in this movie. But instead, what yeah. we get is just a great fucking toy come to life killer movie. Totally so, man. And, and like I said, I'm glad that I didn't see it because I think it also would have made me very cautious and scared of my own childhood favorite uh, toys and so on because I know it did that for a lot of other people kind of oh, in yeah. our in it our age group. Did. Now before we start getting into the movie review portion, I kind of want to spend a minute here, Steve, and maybe maybe let's create a little list. Maybe let's say a top let's say a top three list. Okay. Of our own favorite childhood toys that we had when we were kinder kids. All right then. What do you think about that? I would love to. I would love to do that. All right. I loved toys as a child didn't have a lot but i loved them well i'm gonna put mine out here in kind of kind of broad groups because i think if i got very very specific uh it would be very hard to narrow it down so i'm gonna put my first entry on my list as action figures don't call them dolls mom don't oh. call them dolls 
You're gonna say all action figures? Just all action figures, man. I'm talking about like a fucking ghost bust. I'm talking about a teenage ninja turtle. I'm talking about a He-Man. Obviously. You didn't have a favorite? I don't think I really did because it kind of depended oh, on the man. phase. Because it's like there was a long time where, where the Ninja Turtles were my jam. And there's a long time where the Ghostbusters were my jam. I also had also had a really huge thing for Swamp Thing when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Um, which was kind of an odd thing to like really zero in on. No, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I, yeah, that's awesome. I had actually <laughs> forgotten about my childhood Swamp Thing obsession until... Actually, it's really funny, um, and I'll discuss this more as we go on, but I'm always joking around about being homeschooled and stuff, and I was, of course, but I actually went to public school for uh, kindergarten and first grade, and uh-huh. in that time period, I made best buddies with my, my man, Patrick Brooks, and um, basically, after I started homeschooling in grade two, I didn't hear from him until, let's say, last year. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, we just happened to run into each other on a social media of some sort. And it was like, dude, holy shit, it's so good hearing from you, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, dude, do you still like Swamp Thing? And I was like, wait, oh. holy shit, I did love Swamp Thing. Like, I had forgotten about <laughs> it. <laughs> what? I know. Way, like, to, way to go, Patty B. I know. For remembering man. You, you liked Swamp Thing. It's so sick. So I think that, like, it must have been extremely apparent. I was probably really fucking weird about it or something. So uh, apparently <laughs> that was also my jam. But yeah, I love myself some action figures, staging battles with them. And of course, you get your, your bathtub fucking water mission time. All kinds of good stuff. Were you an action figureman? I was. And what what was already on my list, and I'll get specific in action figures. All right. All right. I liked two He-Man action figures the most. <laughs> yeah? Moss Man, <laughs> to go back to your swamp thing, and Stinkor. Which one is Stinkor? Stinkor looked like a skunk. I didn't have either of those, dude. Oh, man. Moss Man and Stinkor, they both had a smell to them. I'm going like to Google that, it right now while you're talking about it. Do it, absolutely. They both had a smell to them, which is like a part of the character itself. I mean, you know... He-Man, uh... Okay, just to put it out there, Steve, I'm Googling He-Man, Moss-Man. Uh-huh. The top three result is He-Man, Moss-Man smell. Yeah. That <laughs> smell, it stuck with anybody who had those those things. The smell of Moss-Man and the smell of Stinkor. I think it was probably just some sort of plasticky smell. They used maybe a different rubber. I'm not sure. But it it sticks with you. It's not a bad smell. I'm looking at Stinkor now, too. I, I do recognize him, but I didn't ever have this one. Did he smell like okay. a skunk, or was it the same weird plasticky thing? No, nah, it's the same weird plasticky sort of smell. It, it didn't stink at all. Um, I I didn't... Um, my dad, when, when I was very little, uh, my dad was around, and he apparently uh, had no control over his desire to spend money on... Uh, his children so he would uh buy us a ton of he-man action figures and i think i was one and my sister wasn't born yet uh <laughs> and so we we didn't even play with them it wasn't until i was about like seven or eight that i started playing with them and i remember moss man and Stinkor. they smelled so good like awesome. i really liked the smell and so like they've that's always stuck with me uh, but I mean, if I, we're just talking about action figures in general, 
my cousins had almost every uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figure. Shit, yeah. And, and I'm including like the the ones you know from maybe uh, the later '90s where there was like a there was like the sports Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was like a there was like a giraffe that played basketball. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, we would play with those all the time. And because the He-Man figures and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures are about the same size, you know, oh, obviously you put out. them together. Battle yeah. Royale, man. Hell in a Cell with those things. My brother, who is uh, four years older than me, he had all of the Star Wars figures. But oh, of course, damn. we we played with them. Like, they weren't in box. I don't understand. I understand that somebody puts value on them, and if you keep them in the box and never take them out, that person will later give you money. But then how do you play with the fucking figures? Like, I mean, the cardboard would always get all so soggy much. whenever I got in the tub. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> so what's your next one, Ben? All right, now, my number dose on mine here i'm just gonna put this out there again this is a broad this is a broad answer because i can't get too specific because there are several iterations of this but i'm just gonna say just generally video games video God games damn it. dude an <laughs> integral an integral part of my yes, existence of as course all right listen this will just be a top three because you're probably going to name my next one yeah but nintendo entertainment system i put but honestly uh, it could have been anything because my my uh, my dad, as I said, spent a lot of money on us in the the few years he was around. Mm -hmm. uh, he bought a Tandy 2000 oh, computer, and uh, I learned how to program it. It came with a programming book. I learned how to program it. It could sing like songs and stuff. Oh, that's so sick! But my my grandmother worked at Magnavox in Jefferson City, which later became a different factory but uh -huh, at yeah. the time they were making magnavox odyssey 2s yeah yep. so we had a magnavox odyssey 2 with like all the games wow and we would play that thing like crazy we had a nintendo and a super nintendo but the magnavox was like the odyssey was so fucking fun that was the jam of jams the fucking odyssey yeah, I mean, Nintendo is Nintendo and Super Nintendo are obviously way better. Now, if I were to go back and play one of those three systems, it would be the Super Nintendo. But uh, the Mac, it, we just had so much fun because it was a thing that, like, it, every game was two-player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, every game. Whereas in Nintendo, like, that wasn't the case. No. So uh -huh. we would play Odyssey a lot. What, what games systems were you playing with so mine mine started with the nes the nes was my first system that i ever had as a kid and then i mean i played the piss out of that thing dude and then that yeah. went on to super nintendo and then that went on to playstation uh-huh and i'd say right around playstation 2 is when i would consider myself kind of you know kind of an adult but most of my childhood was racked by nintendo and super nintendo and then teenage years were playstation i I was absolutely obsessed, and uh, a lot of my friends have made numerous comparisons to my, my Rain Man-like level of concentration and focus and mastery of these games, because <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like, it was part of my daily routine to play, like, let's say Ninja Gaiden 2, like, one of the right. hardest fucking games ever yeah. made, right? 
It was a tough one. I could fucking I would it, I could beat that game every day. Like it was just like every day I'd turn on News Gaiden two and beat it. And now it's like I'm sure I couldn't even get through the first level. It's fucking impossible. But I spent so much time. And the thing is, man, is like back then, and I'm sure you know this too. But like back in the you know 80s and 90s, you know all the all of our friends were out playing soccer and baseball and football and stuff like this. And video <laughs> video games were still like nerd stuff. It was the kind of thing where it's like. Whenever I would meet somebody new and they would ask me, hey, what do you like to do for fun? And I'd be like, uh, video games. It was always kind of this just like, uh, <laughs> don't think worse of me because I like video games. Because it really was like a nerd fucking shit thing back then. It really, really was. Yeah. I guess it, like it, that never hit me because um, my cousins and my brother and my sister and I, we all played sports, but we also, because my grandparents or my grandmother had worked at Magnavox, we had been introduced to video games from day one. Yeah. So, like, video games to me always seemed normal, and it wasn't until, I think, middle school that I realized, like, oh, everybody doesn't play video games. Yeah, exactly. But it, uh, it never it never affected me. It never made me be like, I don't want to talk about video games or sports. It was always just like, well, why don't you like these things? You what should is try wrong this. with you people? Yes. I'm telling you, though, man, it's one of those things that, like, I've recently realized... And of course, I'm not a parent. I don't have kids or anything like that. But I have recently realized that if you're a parent and you're looking at your kids' interests and stuff, there is literally no way to know if they are wasting their time or not. There is no, no. way to know. No, there is no way. You, you, your brain can't comprehend what their future will be. Dude, and I'm telling you, I just recently had this like devastating, devastating realization recently where, mm -hmm. like, whenever I was a kid, I, again, I didn't start playing guitar and stuff until I was, like, 16 or 17. But when I was a kid, video games were all that I fucking cared about was video games. I, yeah. wanted, I wanted to go into programming, and then I also saw these guys, um, you know, entering these Street Fighter tournaments and, like, making money and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, I'd love to do that. But, yeah. you know, it's the kind of thing where it's like... And I can't blame them, but it's like my parents at the time were just like, okay, this is fun, but it's like, this is this is just kind of a, a waste of time. It's like, this is a game. Like you're not really doing anything. It's a game. And mm -hmm. I had, I had this ridiculous realization recently where it's like, man, I realized actually if I would have stayed playing video games and probably got into like doing the tournament thing or even, you know, of course I do YouTube guitar stuff now, but it's like, dude, if I was doing YouTube video game stuff, Yes. Starting like six years ago, I would be yeah. like a fucking Forbes top forty motherfucker. Like Yeah, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. It's it's you can't predict the future your child's gonna no. be in and it makes no sense to to even pretend that you can like no man well because to my parents like becoming like a, a hot shit guitar player that's a viable future because my parents grew up in the era of van halen hot and led zeppelin players. and steve yeah. I, yeah exactly it's like they grew up in that era where it's like wow you get good at music you become a rock star and you're a fucking millionaire that's good mm -hmm. you should you should encourage that and de develop that which don't be wrong I, I don't regret a single thing i've ever done but it just kind of hit me recently where i was like man if i would have stayed playing fucking video games I would probably <laughs> I would probably be over there with you in the Hollywood Hills right now, living right below. I think I would probably live right below the the H. Seems like that would provide a lot of good oh, shade. Oh yeah, that's a good place to live. Maybe yeah. the O. I don't know. Mm, I live in the D, so <laughs> you're rolling in the D. I'm rolling in the D. <laughs> Nuts. So yeah, ba basically, if you think that your fucking kid is wasting their time 
was a damn fidget spinner or whatever. You don't, you really don't fucking know. You can't. You have no know. idea. God damn it. Fidget spinners may be the thing. Like, that might, like, football, uh, football, honestly, is. If, if you let your kid play football, you're doing something wrong. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Because there are so many studies now that show that uh, that those constant hits to the head in the time of development Very create... Bad. Yeah, they create a child who's going to have some behavioral issues. Well, hey, not according, not according to, to Hare President. I don't know if you caught that, but he was just talking recently about how... He was watching a, a game of football, and the referee gave a penalty for guys that tackled too hard. He said they were doing this beautiful tackle, and the referee gives them the penalty for it. This is the kind of stuff that's ruining this great game for me. It's like, you're a fucking piece of garbage, dude. You're a piece of shit. Oh, it makes me I so would, mad. I would fist fight Donald Trump. I want everyone Fuck to yeah. understand that. Donald Trump, listen, um, let's fist fight. Just you, me, and fists. Please. Hell yeah, dude! I'll, you would take him on even after you beat Delilah and you're all's one-on-one match. Let, okay, I, how about this? I'll I'll do an Iron Man match with Donald Trump after my hair versus hair <laughs> match with Delilah. <laughs> you know why? Because that motherfucker, I guarantee. Oh, he's never been punched. He's never been punched, and that's a problem. That's a problem in this world. That if you if you are given everything and nobody ever gives you just a fucking punch in the mouth, yeah. just a, a stupid punch, yep. just one that makes no sense, one where you're like, I was just standing here being stupid and I got punched in the face because I like, was yeah. dumb. Yeah, and then you don't become president for good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, exactly. And not that violence solves. You know, major problems, but it's like sometimes you need to know when you're being a piece of shit, Donald. Donald. All right, so let me ask you this: <laughs> in your Iron Man match, since the since the odds are stacked against you on a two and one, uh, you get to you get to choose a guest referee. Who's your guest referee gonna be? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's gonna be the guest ref. Yeah. Tight. Yeah. Well, I just want I want because like I want to build up. A relationship between Tyson and Trump where Trump like pays him off, Ooh, you know, yeah. for months leading up. And then like right at the end, Tyson screws Trump. Like a Ted DiBiase Virgil scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Except I don't want poor Tyson to end up like Virgil. Yeah. Like iron his clothes and stuff. <laughs> no. God, just that look was up, weird. Look up stories about Virgil and cry. <laughs> Yeah, because that happened not long ago. Yeah. God, that was yeah. weird. That was really weird. But yeah, basically, video games, gigantic part of my life. I have so many fond memories of like all of my favorite Christmases as a child revolve around me opening up a Super Nintendo and getting Mario Kart or Mario Paint or Super Mario yeah. Brothers or Metal Gear Solid or Gran Turismo. Like, I have so many wonderful memories. And I, I know. Again, it's like I know to my family and stuff like that, it just seemed like I was wasting my time playing video games or whatever, but that those are some of my favorite memories, period, in life ever. And I really honestly do think that, like, especially playing those old-school 8-bit games were honing my memorizational skills to a, oh, yeah. a Hattori Hanzo katana-like razor point, uh, which would later benefit me in playing guitar and playing music and stuff where memorization is so key because those old 8-bit games, memorization is the only skill 
Yeah, hand-eye coordination and memorization. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's. I mean, I don't think that we've lost anything by having more complex games with deeper backstories and stuff. But uh, I think I think it says a lot that there are still people creating uh, low-res games, like eight-bit games right. that that are real fun, fun to play. Yeah, it's yeah. still fun. You don't lose anything by losing. Uh, you know, the great graphics. Totally. What's the next one you got on your list of favorite childhood? All right, Ben. I, I, I'm going to go broad here. I have a specific one, but I'm going to go broad because I think this might be something you'll agree with. Okay. Sticks and rocks. Sticks and rocks. Things found in nature. Yeah. $10,000 pyramid. <laughs> You're talking about going out and just playing a good old kick the rock down the road or breaking off a branch and having a sword and that kind of thing, right? Sure, but but even more than that, um, my cousins and I, my, my uncle was a contractor, and my cousins and I would be around construction sites pretty regularly, and we were taught to use tools pretty early. Mm -hmm. And so we would go out into the woods and build some pretty elaborate forts. Um, we would we'd take some, some nails and a, and a hammer, we would, uh, we would just, you know, pull down vines and use them as rope and stuff, and we would build forts were you using lot. Were you using your good guy tool set? <laughs> we, you know what? We were using real guy tool sets. <laughs> That's right. But I do, I do think that I, I do think that my cousins did have a like a toy tool set that we played with when okay. we were real little. But as we grew, it was real hammers and nails, and building forts was just like, that's so much fun. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know if in today's culture you can, you can build forts as, as much. I imagine, you know, you might be building a fort and somebody would be like, oh, you're going to have to get a permit for that or something. I, I know, I know lemonade stands get shut down for not having permits. So. Right, exactly. Well, the, the uh, problem with building forts now is they have to be gluten free. Oh, right. Oh, and that's so hard to make a fort without gluten. Yeah, exactly. How's it going to hold up? What's going to happen? Come on. <laughs> so then, <laughs> what's your last one? All right. So my number one. Well, I'm not going to say it's number one. Um, these, are, these aren't really in a sequential order for me in terms of worst to best or whatever. But my last one that I have on my list is a good old trampoline. Oh, man. Yes. So we were poor as fuck when I was a kid. Uh-huh. But one, one of the nicer things that we managed to afford for ourselves was a trampoline after we moved into our second house. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what. That is where... I got all of my physical exercise that I'll ever get in my entire life, I'm pretty sure. It's right there <laughs> on that trampoline. We had so much fun. My brother and I would go out on it, and, uh, you know, I'll tell you, it's amazing. For the amount of horsing around that we did on that shit, uh, yeah. neither of us ever got hurt. Like, I always heard people, you know, heard stories of people huh. flying off and breaking their arms or breaking their wrists right. or whatever, but... Dude, I mean, we would do full-on WWF shit on that thing, and none of us ever got hurt or anything. Actually, I, I think probably the worst thing is the amount of just, like, sunburns we got from going out there and jumping in the middle of the day and getting... I think that's that's probably why I had to have, like, a fucking skin cancer spot removed from my face last year 
is probably what? from yeah i know right it fucking sucks but it's like i think that's probably where all of my sun exposure as a kid was is just like yeah. on, a, on a trampoline had so my, much fun on that thing dude and like my my buddy josh old jr he had the do you remember the wwf wrestling buddies yes yeah okay so they were for, for those of you guys who don't know they were like um kind of just like stuffed almost like pillow like dolls of your favorite wwf superstars so he had like macho man and he had ultimate warrior and he had hulk and he had i think he had million dollar man if i'm not mistaken <laughs> and dude we would just take those things out there um and just razzle the fuck out of them and and also razzle the hell out of each other too the most yeah. fun and you could you could like stick a hose under there and have you some just great redneck summer fucking fun it was a blast dude my cousins had a trampoline and yeah. we also would wrestle on it all the time that's what uh, they're there for we also would play ninja turtles on it which oh. is where we would do flips and kick each other sure um but also one of our favorite things to do was my aunt vicky would uh come out with the the garden hose and she'd spray us down while we were jumping there you go exactly dude that's what i'm saying like it's great it adds two thousand percent danger to jumping on a trampoline but oh, yes it was so fun now i did get an injury from a trampoline i have a dent in my leg from jumping <laughs> and hitting the bar oh. i have a dent on my right leg it's it's been there since i was eight maybe awesome it grew with me it's still there um my cousin casey one time he didn't get injured by this uh -huh. but he did this thing we were jumping on the wet trampoline and he hit sort of on the edge and instead of his body bouncing back up his legs just went out from underneath him and he fell like Almost like, remember in Duck Hunt, the dog like jumps over the bush? Oh yeah, totally. It looked exactly like that, <laughs> but he was landing off of the trampoline. Uh, Damn. That was the worst that ever happened though. He, he didn't even get hurt. So uh, I understand why trampolines aren't still around as much for kids. They are death traps. But, I know, but we never we never had a problem and of course ours didn't have like the safety net shit around yeah it. no obviously not <laughs> it originally had like the pads that went around the springs but of course those dry, those dry rot and fall off and stuff so yeah eventually we just had the open springs but again no problems ever i'm i'm actually very shocked we did a lot of stupid shit on that thing oh yeah we were constantly doing flips and kicking each other and Stone wrestling cold stunners like oh man you gotta stun somebody i mean dude like if you got me on one of those things now and it was me and josh and he's like hey let me let me try to do like every suplex that saturn ever did on you i'd be like yeah no but back then it's like all right go for it we used to do that on beds a lot like sure. we would practice suplexes onto beds because you know it's uh it probably doesn't hurt <laughs> <laughs> but then every once in a while, that suplex that goes awry and sends you flying off the side of the bed. Or hits a bedpost or like the side of the bed or yeah. something. Yeah, something like that. Every now and you know then what? you Be get those. Being a kid is a risk. It huge just is. Risk. It's I'm a shocked. huge risk. Dude, I'm serious. Like, And I think that every generation says this, but it's like, I'm so shocked that we made it out alive. I mean, 
I know that oh, our yeah. parents say that shit because, you know, my mom has stories of, you know, like the fucking DD, DDT truck driving through the neighborhood spraying and fogging yeah. for mosquitoes, and they'd run out behind it and shit. And I'm like, God damn, how are you still alive? But there's so much dumb stuff that we did in the 80s that I'm like, I'm just shocked that we fucking lived through it, man. Or didn't at least get some pretty heinous injuries. So maybe life isn't as dangerous as we think it is, really. You know what happened, though? Huh. Joan Baez told those farmers to put away their DDT, and they did. It's true. And then <laughs> and then they paved paradise and put up a parking lot. Oh, and man. Like, and then the, I think the fucking Counting Crows covered it, and it was like, please, <laughs> no. Why should you have dreadlocks? Why? Adam Duritz's hair. Yeah. His fucking head looks like a pineapple. It's so Isn't dumb. that a wig? I, th- I think I've I heard, heard that's that a wig. Is. That yeah. makes me even matter. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If they were for real dreadlocks, I would at least be like, well, at least he was dedicated to growing those dreadlocks. Instead, it's a wig. At least the hair is fucking free. It's like you paid to look like an asshole. God Mr. damn. Mr. Jones and me. <laughs> we had some good times on that old trampoline, though, man. We had ourselves some some damn good times. I would actually still like to have one. I feel like that's a way that you could probably get me to to exercise every now and then. We did. When I was in uh, uh, college, my roommates and I had a trampoline in the back. And uh, when you're, you're like grown adult bodies, it's still fun. But you can only, you don't want to have too many people on that trample. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, what's your, what's your last entry that you have on your list of your favorite childhood toys? Oh, I said sticks and rocks, right? That's. <laughs> I thought that was two. <laughs> no, that was number three. That was three? <laughs> yeah. I can, I can throw another one out there. I had a green stuffed rabbit that I was really uh, a Sick. fan of. Sick. Yeah, after my uh, I got my tonsils and adenoids removed, I woke up in the recovery room and uh, couldn't scream. That sounds like a horror movie. I couldn't scream, but I was scared, and I was like, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he started a black metal band. Yeah, I started a black metal band, but then my mom came running in. They saw that I had woken up. She came running in with my green stuffed rabbit, and everything was okay. Nice. I had myself a blue bear. That was probably a similar similar situation i'm also gonna put it out there as honorable mention and i I didn't choose it because i figured it would be on your list steve but uh i'm gonna put out there a legos Um, oh man because i spent so much time in my life playing i didn't put it on there because i figured that you would pick that somewhere oh yeah legos uh wooden blocks lincoln logs we played with that stuff all the time yeah yeah and the the cool thing is about Lincoln logs and wood blocks and Legos is that you can combine them. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, I I guess it wasn't until I played Minecraft that I remembered just how much I loved doing that as a kid, just building stuff. Totally. Out of Legos and things like that. And we did constructs too, which I mentioned on another constructs episode. Constructs are fun, yeah. Yeah, it was it was great. We'd make cars and have like demolition derbies and fuck them up and stuff. Mm-hmm. I spent so much time building. I mean, anything out of Legos. I feel like that's just a quality, great toy for a kid to expand their creative mind. Now, now, Steve, the subject of good old Chucky here is of course a a possessed. Very creepy doll. Did you ever have a Chucky doll when you were a kid? No, my cousin had a My Buddy doll. My Buddy, um, which is what this is yeah. kind of loosely based on. And also, 
completely yeah. sank the sales of. It destroyed yeah. the sales of the My Buddy doll. Well, good, honestly, because that <laughs> doll was creepy. Yeah. My sister had a doll. We had a Teddy Ruxpin, uh-huh, yeah. which moved its mouth and eyes and stuff and, you know, was a bit creepy. My sister had a a cricket doll, which was like a Teddy Ruxpin slash My Buddy, but it was, you know, a, a girl. Okay. Um, it... You know what? I always was creeped out by those things. Yeah. Like, even before seeing Child's Play, I was so creeped out. Cabbage Patch dolls never really creep me out as much because they don't actually look human. No. And I had all, I, like, I collected Garbage Pail Kids as a child. Oh, shit. The infamous. Yeah, so I thought, I thought Cabbage Patch dolls were just the lame version of Garbage Pail Kids. Well, they are, really. Even if they were to come to life, I would just like, I don't know, shoot a snot rocket at them or something <laughs> cool like that. I, uh, though I do remember because I lived in Buford, Georgia when I was a real little kid. Oh. Um, yeah, and we went to the, there's like a, a place that Xavier Roberts set up that's like where the Cabbage Patch Kids are born. I can't remember what it's called, hmm. but it was in Cleveland, Georgia, like on the way to uh, Chattanooga and stuff. And we went there once. I remember when I was little and I think at the end, my mom was like, do you want one? And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> nope, not a, not interested in a Cabbage Patch Kid. Sorry. I always thought it was really weird that like, like even as like a five and six year old kid, I'd see like other like five and six year old like girls and stuff with like baby dolls. And I'm like. Why in the fuck would you want to pretend that you have a baby? Like, you're not going to have a baby for another 10 or 12 or 20 years. Like, why the yeah, fuck that, would you? You just got done being a baby. That That is some malicious shit that we forget that, like, through the the 80s and 90s, there was this big push on uh, boys having soldiers and girls having baby dolls. Like, boys yeah. need to go off to war to fight and girls need to take care of babies. You'd think that they were really preparing for some kind of, like, massive war effort that was going to, like, decimate the population or something. Like, there was some shit going on. I think it wouldn't be too insane to imagine that rich people are always kind of thinking of that. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. That, this movie, though, in particular, it just worked on a fear I think a lot of us already had. Yeah. Like, people... You could say that the My Buddy uh, sales were hurt by Chucky, but in fact... They were probably hurt by the fact that parents bought them for their kids and their kids were like, and what am I supposed to do with this? Right, yeah. And the only thing we would do with it is fight it. Like, that's what we did as kids. We would wrestle with it. Like, oh, yeah. No, definitely so. Well, I remember, like I said, I didn't watch this when I was a kid. I remember seeing it, you know, in the in the video stores and stuff like that at the Video West. I remember seeing the box. I think mm-hmm. it looked really scary, but... My first exposure in, in, in real life to Chucky was when I was in kindergarten, there was this kid who was totally the fucking class bully. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, he, he was, dude, he was everything you imagined of, of an 80s kid class bully. He had fucking red hair. Oh, God. Braces? Did he have braces? Uh, he was only six, so no, not, uh, okay. not yet. But I'm sure that he did eventually. But he was pale, had freckles, he was a ginger, he had a mullet. Uh-huh. And, and he even had a great 
malicious fucking bully kid name. And I'm going to go ahead and just totally name drop it because I'm I'm sure there's a million kids named this, so there's no risk of breaking somebody's <laughs> anonymity here. But perfect fucking bully kid name. His name was Shane White. Oh, man. Shane. Oh, man. This kid was such a fucking shithead. He was terrible. And he had, I remember one time at Show and Tell, he brought his Chucky doll, which he thought was just the sickest thing ever. And I was... I remember being really freaked out and being like, that's that scary doll I've seen at the Video West. Ah." No! (laughs) I did not like it. I did not like looking at it and stuff. So when I think Chucky, I actually think of Shane White. Yeah, that's a pretty good, like, that's a good association. Because I would say Chucky is a bully. Yeah. Like, the way he uh, treats that kid, etc. He seems like a bully. Not very nice, not very nice. Now, this uh, I think part of the reason that this movie is so effective in a lot of ways is I think that it plays upon the fear of, of kids, like you said, as far as like kids being creeped out by dolls and fearing that a doll uh-huh. would come to life and move or something like that. But I think it also plays upon the fear that I, I know that at least my parents anyway were always really scared of and worried about the toys and stuff that I would bring into the house, whether it be like, let's say doom for PlayStation or a, uh-huh. you know, like, uh, there was all this hype around dungeons and dragons when we were a kid and stuff like that. All these toys that you brought into the house could turn out to be some sort of evil influence. So I think this movie worked on a yeah. lot of different levels. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the dungeons and dragons hype was, uh, in the eighties, like the, the whole, like, you play this game, you're gonna lose your soul. Tom Hanks, etc. And garbage pail uh, kids and stuff like that. Garbage pail kids, one. yeah, yeah. That was like a, a really big no-no around the house. So I know that our parents feared our toys for different reasons than we feared toys and stuff like that too. Yeah, that's interesting. I I I feel like I mean I know that this movie it uh, has been said to be based off of uh, Garbage Pail Kids and my buddies. Sure. But also the the writing of it, etc., is based off of actual like haunted dolls that uh, have existed for a long time. I mean, oh. I, I couldn't give you I couldn't give you an exact date where people thought dolls were haunted, but uh, I can say, for instance, Annabelle, which sure. uh, has had two movies. Which was really a raggedy and doll, but it, it didn't look as creepy as it does in the movies. Yo, we had a raggedy and doll when we were kids. I don't know where it, where it came from. It was creepy as fuck. Yeah, I did not like they that They are thing. creepy. Um, it's also based off of a doll called Robert, which is going to be covered in an upcoming Amazon series called Lore, which is based off a podcast. No shit. Yeah. It, uh, They're turning that into a show. Yeah. Huh. So we're next, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Fucking dead, dead and lovely, lovely. The show. Ouch, my dino head. Episode one. Yeah. Ouch, my dino head. Episode one. <laughs> episode two. The creeper at the DMV. Episode three is gonna be you assume my gender at the end of House of the Devil. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, like possessed dolls have been a thing for a long, long time. Sure. And of even course, Pinocchio. Did, you know, Pinocchio goes back to yeah, that too. Pinocchio is he's a possessed doll. Even though that's supposed to be a positive message, I remember Pinocchio scaring me as a child. Oh God, dude! When he turns into a donkey, it's very scary. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It wasn't just the doll coming to life, but the donkey scene. Ugh. 
and uh, in the belly of the whale, like I actually am afraid of whales. Yeah, for for real, man. I, I cannot I cannot argue with you. There is something about extremely huge living creatures that freaks yes. me the fuck out. Like, dude, anytime you see those pictures of like somebody in the ocean, yes, uh, floating alongside like a fucking sperm whale, and they're no. like, fuck, no, like. I would be running across the water. Like, I would be just soaked in adrenaline if I was in that situation. Huge animals of any type. Like, I'm talking gigantic. I'm not talking about, like, a big dog. I'm talking about fucking colossal animals freaking the fuck out. Yeah, they... And you're in the water. Like, you're not going to be next to a whale and afraid of it on land. No. Obviously. You're in the water, and it's going to swim faster than you because the second it moves it's moved 10 times as far as you're gonna move because it's gigantic yeah (laughs) also sperm whales will eat you people are always like oh you don't have to be afraid of whales every time i tell people be afraid of whales oh really first off orcas will eat you sperm whales will eat you there are whales out there that will fucking eat you if nothing else by talking about yeah yeah if nothing else by accident yes you're not gonna fucking uh, a baleen whale's not gonna eat you. Fine, whatever. <laughs> but there are whales that will eat you. Oh yeah. So, um, why are we talking about whales? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what I was gonna say is uh, what uh, creepy dolls and and uh, voodoo intersect, and that's uh, yeah. what happens in this movie. Yeah, and I like that they brought that into this too. Yeah, exactly. Like if you don't bring the voodoo doll in. It seems like you're missing on a real good, like, intersectional, already horrific area. People are already scared of voodoo and already scared of dolls. Boom, voodoo dolls. Now, that brings you to an interesting point here, Stephen, that I don't know if you know about this, but the original plot of the movie did not involve any kind of any kind of voodoo, which I do like. Really? Yeah, I do like the addition of that into the story because that gives you a clever workaround to how this could physically work you know but uh-huh. the original plot for the movie did not involve that so in the original uh kind of screenplay for the flick i want to say it might have been set like slightly into the future or something like this and they were making these dolls for kids that could they had like a flesh-like exterior and like blood and stuff inside of them and basically, okay. if you're roughhousing with your doll and it got an injury, you'd have to go buy some good guy band-aids and, like, patch them up, right? Okay. So it was meant to be, like, a very realistic doll for kids. And basically, our main kid in this, um, which, again, I like the voodoo workaround, but this is so fucked up and weird that I kind of think it would have been sick if they would have gone with this or if they just make another movie that's sort of based on this. But basically, uh-huh. in the movie... The kid that has the you know the main doll here um, is supposed to basically form like a blood like a blood pact with his doll and like cut his hand and like mix his blood with the doll's what? blood. Yeah, and basically the doll, whenever the kid is like asleep specifically, comes to life and like exacts revenge on the people that the kid doesn't like so like the bully the school teacher like his mom who's never there because she's working all the time Uh uh-huh like the doll goes around and kills like enemies of the kid because he has this blood bond with him which i think is fucked up as hell 
Yeah, that's crazy. I I can't say that's a bad idea. I know. <laughs> I think it's pretty that cool. That seems like a cool movie. I know. And it kind of, you know, there's sort of a theme of that, I think a little bit, that you can see a subtext in this movie of parents who are never home and never spend time with their kids and stuff because they're working all the time trying to basically buy their children love or friends or affection through buying them toys. I think that that's kind right. of what they extracted from this because in the original, you know, again, this doll was going to like kill his mom because his mom was never around and stuff like that. It's like, uh, let's temper that down maybe a little bit and just kind of get out of it that you can't buy <laughs> your kids affection. Let's just go with that instead. I think that the child's play we currently have is a great introduction into yeah. the series. I think that movie you just described, though, would stand up even better today. <laughs> like, yeah, it would too. be a movie where it's just like, oh, okay, well, that's like, even though the consumer culture is different and, you know, we're much more based around electronics and, and things that aren't tangible now. Kids don't want a, as many tangible products, so it doesn't yeah. fit as well today. But yeah, that that seems more like a kid getting revenge on everyone who neglects them type of thing. And children are constantly being neglected. So uh, that that seems like a great, maybe new child's play. Yeah, I know. Uh, though one is coming out this week, the week that we released this, uh, Cult of Chucky, right? Is that right. what it is? That's correct. Mm -hmm. It's a straight to video or straight to stream kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, they're, they've all been uh, done by the same writer, as right. far as I understand. Uh, but th this particular movie is directed by Tom Holland. Again, not Spider-Man Tom Holland, <laughs> but Fright Night director Tom Holland. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he did the new one. I didn't know that. Oh, I don't know if he did the new one. The, oh, the, okay, gotcha. The writer, Mancini, I can't remember his first name. Anyway, uh, he he's been with the series throughout so there's something interesting about the child's play sequels and we're obviously not talking about the sequels right now but they don't develop as much yeah as other horror movies do like for me it seems like they just each sequel is another it's just another child's play right basically like they add they add later the bride of chucky etc but like it's always just a foul mouth doll. Like that's the the central idea yeah. of Child's Play. Is there's a foul mouth doll with the spirit of a serial killer inside of it. And it kills you. And he kills you. Um <laughs> Lot of mercy. So instead of the original plot that we had there with the the blood oath kid and stuff like that, what we end up with that they decide on for this movie is that the the spirit of a serial killer played by none other than than Grima Wormtongue himself, Brad Dorf. Brad Dorf's so good. Oh man, Dude, and P.S. I didn't realize that he was Grima Wormtongue until this time, like a couple days ago. I didn't realize that that was fucking Grima, which was a really huge mindfuck for me. Um, his he basically is on a job gone bad. And he gets shot by a cop, and he says this voodoo spell and transfers his consciousness into a good guy doll named Chucky, which then ends up in the hands of this kid who is a uh, kid who has a single parent. His mom works all the time and stuff, and he loves himself some good guys. 
uh, and then all chaos ensues. Now, this kid, when I say he likes some good guys, I've got to tell you what, they really push the commercialization and the marketing of products towards kids extremely hard in this yeah. movie. Throughout this movie, yeah. we see that like he's wearing like a good guy's pajama set. He uh-huh. is eating good guy's cereal. His mom makes him yeah. a, a good guy's cake mix. It's like there's fucking good guy's everything, everything possible yeah. throughout this year that's marketed towards kids. It definitely seems to be related to Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Oh, yeah. Like, that same sort of idea of the commercialization. Yeah. And the way that it's spreading is evil. Right. Uh, and uh, sure, that's absolutely correct. Uh, unfortunately, we never got to see anything cool from all that evil commercialization. It, it was basically just evilness. So... <laughs> it, Luckily, we got some some horror movies out of it, at least. That's true. But in real life, we just got more old white guys making money. Yeah, we just got more rich old white men. Same Um, as always. Same as it ever was. (laughs) Now, this movie is full of jump scares, which I normally don't care for. But I think this movie's tension actually relies on us up to a point not knowing that the doll might be like actually moving yeah it's actually really far into the movie i think it's probably it's at least it's at least 45 minutes it might even be an hour into the movie before we actually see a moving full-on chucky on screen yeah so the the tension of the jump scares actually works well it's not like, I hate, say, for instance, in a Friday the 13th movie where you get a jump scare because it's like, well, I know what's out there. Jason's out there. Yeah. Like, in the the beginning, though, in the beginning of a Child's Play movie, you don't know. You're right. not sure. It's not until a certain point that we actually see the doll moving independent of what a doll might do. Yeah. Because the doll's supposed to talk and move. We finally see it move in a way that we're like, oh, okay, now that doll's possessed. And, dude, when it does, like, that scene where that scene where the mom, like, picks up the box and the batteries fall out and the camera zooms yeah. in on the bat, it's almost, like, very... It reminds me of a shot from The Shining for some reason. I don't know why. It's this Kubricky, like, zoom in hmm. on the batteries or something. I don't know why it reminds me of that, but she picks up the doll and she starts shaking it and she's like, say something, say something. Then she lights the fireplace... And then, dude, Chucky just comes at her hot as fuck. Yeah. So apparently he's been this entire time actually talking to the kid. And, like, there is something to fear. There's something very strong to fear. Now, how strong is this doll? This is a question I have throughout. Yeah, that's something I'm not exactly certain about. Yeah, is he, like, as strong as the as full-grown Brad Dorf, or is he as strong as, like, a little, you know, four-year-old, which he's proportional to? I am not, I'm not exactly certain about that, because he definitely does things that make it seem like he's very strong at times. Like, yeah. him, like, choking out that dude at the end of the movie and stuff, it's like, if that was a four-year-old, you just gently swat that arm off of you it's, it's no big deal yeah I, like I, I feel like maybe the shock of a doll coming to life is what's preventing them from actually just like this seems like it would be a scene like if uh, 
scary movie had been made in 1990 instead yeah. of later, it would have had a scene where they just beat the shit out of a doll that tried to kill them. Yeah. Because it's like, it's a doll. <laughs> like, I mean, I get this fear of the doll coming to life, but the second you're in a physical altercation with a doll, motherfucker, let, let me fight a doll. Delilah, hold on. I'm going to fight a doll at Royal Rumble <laughs> just for fun. Because what? There's no way. Even if the doll has proportionate strength, like if it's if it's somehow the size of that doll giving giving that doll muscles, say it's a little person, which it is in some scenes. The doll is played by a little person. Yeah. Say it's a little person, but they're they're only that tall. Right. I I could okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I don't know for sure I could take every little person that height. Right. But I think I I have the advantage of being bigger than them. Yeah. And I like you could just lay on top of them at the least. Are you saying Peter Dinklage should bring it? No, well, see, Peter Dinklage, he's he's taller than this doll. <laughs> and sure. <laughs> And I would not want to fight Peter Dinklage. At Fuck all. no! I'd be like, man, you're awesome. I don't know. I don't want to hurt you. Don't I don't. Cool. I don't want to deal with this. Don't want to deal with this. You nope. might. You might win. I might win. I don't know. But you're fucking Peter Dinklage. You win. Um, but I'm just saying, like that. That the doll is like two and a half, three feet tall. Sure. Yeah. So even okay, if it does have, and I'm I'm willing to believe it because it's it's voodoo. If it does have the proportionate strength of Brad Dorf, okay, I get it. But Brad Dorf's not a big dude. No. And I, it doesn't matter how strong it is. Like, put it in a full Nelson and you won. Like, I should think. Yeah, because uh, it could be as strong as it wants at that point. You have the advantage. Like, I just feel throughout this movie I, that... The thing that the doll has that's scary is the element of surprise. Yeah. It's a doll. The thing it doesn't have is that it could beat you in a physical altercation. Yeah, right, right, and right. And that's what we see a lot near the end is a lot of physical altercations, and it's like, okay, this is less scary. Well, I could even give it the benefit of the doubt that, you know, if we're going as far as to say the soul of a serial killer can possess a doll by means of voodoo... Yeah, maybe it's say, got crazy maybe, strength. Yeah, maybe it's got Papa Shango strength or something. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe he could make a, a fucking Ultimate Warrior barf if he came up on him. Oh, shit. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird beat. Um. So, yeah, so we have to accept then that it has magical strength. I'll go with that. Like, that's the closest I can come to explaining it. The problem is that the mom, who is uh, a basic white lady, yeah, like she holds him off a number of times. Like she's not, she's not strong as far as we understand. She's not big. Yeah, she's not muscular. She holds him off a few times. So like CrossFit hadn't even been invented by then. Oh gosh, hot yoga. She's not doing that. No, no, no. Huh? I don't even know if they had a pumpkin spice latte back then. Well, if they didn't have pumpkin spice lattes, then this makes no sense. No, huh? not at all. So she's fighting it off a number of times. So I, I feel like if you want to make uh, Chucky scary, 
you keep him in the shadows, which is what they do for the first hour of the movie. Right. Basically keep him in the shadows, keep him out of physical altercations. But then the last 40 minutes of the movie is all physical altercations. And it's like, okay, well, this is less scary and more comical. That part where he comes to life in her arms the first time and just comes at her just as cold and salty as the Arctic Sea, man. He's like, you fucking <laughs> slut, you bitch. He does. He oh, really man. does. And and Brad Dorf is so good. Like, I know. His voice work is amazing, dude. And his like voice... And- the he hatred. plays the voice of Chucky in every movie, I think. So, yeah. uh-huh. like, he's stuck with it. And it's, he's so, yeah, hatred and just venom and anger. He's so good at that. Oh, I know. And, dude, even, like, towards the end, like, the scenes where he's been set on fire in the fireplace and he's, like, screaming bloody murder and shit, it is so believable like it sounds like they fucking set him on fire in the vocal booth and just like hey go ahead hit record now it's intense you get the the sense of how good he is like early on where he's being chased yeah and he's running up on that van and he's like don't leave me and he's like god no like he's like legitimately scared like well, I mean, that's, obviously, that's him the, doing the voice of Sam Kinison at that point in the movie, though. <laughs> he does look like <laughs> Sam Kinison at that point. He's wearing that trench coat and everything. Yeah. Like, as a kid, I did. I, I told you this in a text. I did think that Sam Kinison was. I'm still not <laughs> I sure he's that not was Sam Kinison. Uh, but yeah, like he's so good in this. I know. And, and so, like, I I think that a lot of what carries this is the simple fear of toys and the fact that Brad Dorf is such a great voice actor. Yeah. Because when you look at uh, the acting of the mom, Karen, is fine. The little kid leaves something to be desired. The yeah. cop? Uh, Prince Humperdinck. Uh, Prince Humperdinck. I don't know about him. I'm not he exactly certainly, sure. He certainly didn't think at all about maybe learning uh how to use a gun (laughs) there are i i just want to point these out he's so bad with a gun uh in particular the scene where he's in a car upside down in an urban area and he's just shooting blindly (laughs) he yeah he does kind of pop off a bunch of shots just willy-nilly okay at one point he holds the uh, phone that he's using to call the police department holds the phone with the hand he has his gun in so his gun <laughs> is pointing at his head what uh at another point he hands karen a gun which when he hands it he's pointing at her child <laughs> I that, dude. and then later when chucky is on his partner's shoulder He's legitimately considering shooting at Chucky. Yeah, yeah, he Instead is. of standing up and grabbing the goddamn doll. It's a doll. It's just a doll. It's a doll. <laughs> Even if it has proportionate human strength, it weighs maybe 10 pounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Toss that thing around. Come on. God, that's funny. I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> He's bad I mean, at being a cop. He's not good at being a cop. The acting he does is fine, but like it's not great. Like he, I think he's you know he's supposed to be this like 
attractive dude, etc. And, and he is. He's Prince Humperdinck. He does. He just doesn't portray cop well to me. Now, the guy in the movie that I really like, though, is his cop cohort, who I call Indie Hipster Band Cop. Because he totally has, like, a fucking hipster mustache and hipster hair and, like, that big blazer and stuff. It's like, I want to know... All that I wanted to know the whole movie, I want to know if his band sounds more like The Killers or more like Vampire Weekend. Mm, he looked like a Vampire know. Weekend guy to See, me. See, I think so, too. I think he thinks that he's being really esoteric, but he's actually yeah. not. He doesn't care about Oxford commas, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, not at all, man. So I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that he plays in some kind of sick band that might, might have, like, like let's say, like an 11.30 a.m. spot at Bonnaroo, maybe. Uh-huh. You should be sure to come see us under the fucking Windex tent at Bonnaroo. The Windex tent. <laughs> <laughs> After that, they're showing my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> my big fat Greek abortion. <laughs> now, one of the things about this movie that I do find the creepiest is its absolute lack of CGI, which, of course, being made in 19 yeah. 1988, it has to. There's so many animatronics and puppets and... Also, too, like a lot of instances, like you said, of a little person in a Chucky costume on an oversized set, like when he comes down through the fireplace or uh-huh. when he's yeah. stalking through the building trying to get a uh, little kid in the in the children's mental hospital, this Dickensian nightmare children's prison, basically. <laughs> right. But whenever you see like the little dude in the costume, it's totally... You know, the only term is uncanny valley. Everything lands firmly in that uncanny valley where you're like, it right. looks close enough to being real that my brain hates it. Absolutely hates it. Yeah. It's so weird. It really does hit that just... Because uh, the face doesn't look right. No. So if the proportions are all right, which they are with the little person, the proportions are all right, and the face looks like a doll it's like what the fuck like your brain's like no 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 don't do that i don't want to see that i love how we see him get more and more banged up throughout the movie and stuff too because at Uh, first he he just burns and stuff yeah yeah dude he gets burnt with like a cigarette lighter in a car and then of course later on in the movie he gets full-on burnt and i really enjoy I really enjoy that because basically like towards the end of the movie after he gets thrown in the fireplace and he's walking around with his like you know, one exposed eye and all the skin is burnt off and shit and he's still going after him. You can really see through, you know, the spots in his skin and his clothes and stuff where the, uh, you know, the the robot Chucky is yeah. inside of there and you see like metal. It looks like fucking, you know, a Terminator on, inside of that thing walking yeah, around. Yeah, that, that is exactly what I thought of at the end when he's yeah. all burnt and he's like, parts are getting blown off and he's like, pulling himself with his arm he's terminator this is terminator right here and this is before t2 so it's like uh i don't know like it it fits in the t2 realm but it's not t2 and it's cool too because you know for one it looks fucking badass it looks really cool but also it's neat too that some special effects guy basically got to show you the trick and make it part of the movie. Like, imagine a magician showing you where the rabbit in the hat goes, and that's part of the trick. Like, in this movie, you actually got to see the animatronics and stuff at work as part of the story. You know what I mean? Yes. 
I think that that's really cool they managed to squeeze that in. Anybody who's a fan of special effects has to really, you know, have their ears perk up whenever you see that part because that is just really, really neat to see it on screen happening. You know, they're not trying to make it look like a doll or make it look like whatever. It's like you're getting to see this is metal pipes and wires and stuff. Uh-huh. And that's why it's, it's working. really cool. Yeah, it works. It's very, very cool. I think it's super creepy too. So the element of this that makes the least sense i guess because if we see all that we have to assume that the the what are they called the chucky dolls the good 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 guy dolls we have to assume that all good guy dolls have that because you know having his soul infused into the doll didn't add you know structure and things yeah yeah so they all have that which would be awesome it's awesome. It would be so cool to have that doll that could actually move around and stuff. It's a high-end toy. Yeah, but also super creepy. But the thing that reanimates him, the thing that's the least believable in this, is the voodoo. Sure. The voodoo gets a bit of time because uh, Charles Lee Ray, Chucky, goes back to confront the voodoo priest who taught him how to bring himself back to life. Yeah, Papa Shango. Yeah, Papa Shango. Um, <laughs> and basically, it's just it's just a scene making fun of voodoo. I don't understand, like, like the voodoo priest seems serious, but, like, the, the action that occurs within that seems comical. Right. He... Chucky pulls out a, a voodoo doll of the guy that's like, you know, crude and makes... I, I don't understand how voodoo dolls are supposed to work. That's I'm a guessing quality you, leg break, though. Yeah, well, it's a great leg break, for sure. <laughs> it's awesome. But, like, why would a voodoo priest have a voodoo doll of himself laying around? Yeah, that was a question that I had. I was like, okay, was that already there, or is that one that, like, Chucky had made in advance chucky says it was there chucky says you shouldn't show uh people where these things are or whatever so like oh apparently it was there and he while charles lee ray was over one time was like hey let me show you where i keep my voodoo doll (laughs) just so you know yeah just so you know in case you ever need to voodoo me here it is (laughs) um like why that's stupid that makes no sense and so like the inclusion of voodoo uh it has like an element forged to it that is stupidity Mm -hmm. like the voodoo priest is shown as being stupid that makes no sense i can see that yeah i mean i get i get why you would do that to just for this particular instance but you would have to have other voodoo scenes where people aren't being stupid for it to not be an automatic equation voodoo equals stupid. But mm-hmm. to say voodoo equals stupid in a movie that is based off the fact that a serial killer used voodoo to live on into a, a doll is saying, well, our entire premise is stupid. Like, it's not though. It's a it's a good premise. I like the premise. Yeah. When he sees when he meets the voodoo priest, I want it to be more of a battle. I want it to be more of like yeah. the voodoo priest actually knows how to handle this. He taught him how to do this. He That's should, true. you know. 
It should be some Voldemort versus Dumbledore type of shit. Yeah, you're right. That could have been a lot cooler. He does seem quite weak and powerless against this yeah. doll holding a doll. Yeah, but that does give us the dying breaths exposition, which is so important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the reason why it had to take us there, so that we could get the whole, you got to put your soul into the person who you revealed yourself to first. Oh. I've got a date yeah. with a six-year-old boy. <laughs> that's Gotta like a go. that's a dual quote chucky and fucking victor Jeepers salva, Creepers, victor salva. <laughs> <laughs> they said it to each other and the fist bumped yeah, <laughs> yeah. sames <laughs> ditto oh man people should start just for fun i think victor salva should become one of the monsters we talk about when we talk about horror movies yeah like let's not talk about the creeper let's just throw victor salva in there there's jason there's freddy there's chucker there's victor salva you know and i was thinking about this earlier i think it would be really cool to see an alternate timeline sequel where uh the spirit of chucky does you know manage to go back into the six-year-old kid and just live as a six-year-old kid uh huh. But then Victor Salva tries to molest him, and he murders the fuck out of him. And Chucky becomes oh, a good no. guy. It's a heel what? to face turn. Oh shit! <laughs> and then and then the rest of the movie is uh, Chucky fighting uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola and his family. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Your wine is only kind of okay. Eh, most of the time, it's eh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, I mean, seriously, get it together. Come Captain on. Captain Dreamo or whatever. What was that? What Ooh. was that thing he did for Disney with Michael Jackson? Yeah. Oh God, I forgot about that. Holy shit. <laughs> and Godfather Three. Let's yeah. just go ahead and put that. You know what? The worst crime is constantly giving money to a convicted child rapist. But number two is Godfather Three. So I've heard. I've actually never seen Godfather Three. Don't waste your time. That's what I've heard, man. That's what I've heard. Now, one of the things in this movie that I spotted this last time that I watched it that does crack me up many times throughout the flick, um, of course, in the movie, we're not given an exact reason why. It's kind of speculated that maybe uh, Charles Lee Ray killed him in life, but our main kid here doesn't have a dad. His dad is dead, right? Yeah. Did you notice how in several different rooms throughout their apartment, there is the same picture of the dad? No, it's just the same picture. It's the exact same picture. There's like a <laughs> framed like eight by 10 of the dad and like a red sweater with like a blue background. It's like in the kid's room and it's like in the living room too. Wow. It's fucking hilarious. It reminds me of like, did that you ever, is like, why? What? Why? What? I know. Did you ever watch um, Strangers with Candy? Uh-huh. Do you remember how there was always that? that picture of principal blackman in like every room for some reason in that show do you remember that yes <laughs> principal blackman so who was it. a black man so yeah. there you go you, so like the wife is so obsessed with her husband's death that she's like well i only have the one picture of him yeah so i'll just get a lot of copies yeah one in every room <laughs> were they just 
Were they just married? Why doesn't she have more pictures? I don't know, man. That's just that's the only fucking one. And it's all over the fucking place. It's the same picture. If you want what next time you watch it, try to pay attention to it and you'll notice. I will. It. It's pretty great, man. <laughs> now, one thing I will say this movie got right, and this is fresh on my mind because we just watched Halloween um earlier tonight. You know, in the opening of that flick where we have young Michael Myers stalking through the house to kill his sister. He's uh-huh. like a six-year-old kid, but he's like seven feet tall, apparently. Yeah, yeah. This movie actually got the perspective thing right. The, the scenes it where did, we did, yeah, yeah, like little you know Chucky IV running through, going into that apartment, that derelict apartment and stuff like that. It's actually mm-hmm. low to the ground, very well played. Y'all, y'all did it right. Good job, gold star. Yeah, and it also it does keep up. Which isn't a thing that they keep going the whole time, but it does keep up the idea, well, it may be the kid. Right, yeah, 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 a little fake out. Yeah, so, like, I like that that doesn't last the entire time. I like that the end of the movie isn't like, was it the kid or the doll? Yeah. But I like that it does build up that tension early because it makes you more afraid of the doll when it finally does move. Like, we see the doll move and talk, but it's like, it's supposed to do that as far as we we understand. It's not until she is like, I'm going to throw you in the fire or whatever, that he's like, fuck you, bitch. He gets like, you know, like, (laughs) we... When people talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, it's like, well, Freddy calls people bitch a lot. Oh, man. Chucky calls people bitch a lot. (laughs) Chucky <laughs> yeah. calls everybody bitch all yeah. the time and is always ready with a fuck you. So oh man, dude, he is hot. He really is. He's ready to to go to war with whether or not you think you're a bitch. He wants he wants to fight that out. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the very ending of the movie? Like the last shot that we get where it's the little kid walking out the door and he turns around and the camera just kind of freezes on him. What do you think that means? <sighs> I don't know. I, I know. It doesn't have the impact that it should have, I don't think. Like Yeah. I guess I guess if you are making the movie where it's like was it the dollar the kid, then that shot's good. Yeah. But it's there's no question at a certain point. It was the doll. We all see it. So I, like I think they were trying to capture some of that like the very last shot of the omen is very similar to where the yeah, kid exactly. has a slight sort of smirk on his face, like this mischievous like this is going all according to plan, but I think they tried to do a little bit of that. But, you know, what I wonder about is, like, if they were trying to get it into your head that, like, maybe um, – because at some point in there, Chucky started the ritual to, like, put part of his soul into the kid's he body. Did. He started he it did. but didn't get to finish it. And I kind of wonder if they were trying to imply that, like, maybe part, part of, of it them, made it. Yeah, exa- like he'd gotten horcruxed or something, you know? Oh, shit, he's a horcrux. Which I think could have been really cool. Again, kind of going back to that, that thing I was talking about a second ago, it actually would have been really neat to see a flick where Chucky just goes on and lives in the body of this, like, six-year-old, but he's actually a fucking serial killer, but he's got to, like, hide it from everybody. That could actually be, I think, a pretty fucking sick movie. And actually, too, think about how cool that would be. Child's Play Part 1 is about this possessed doll Child's Play Part 2 is about this possessed kid. Like, that would have been badass, dude. Yeah, no, that would be much more interesting than what Child's Play 2 really was. I haven't seen Child's Play 2. Is it more of the same? Just more of the same, yeah. I think think that's true of 
every child's play movie is just more of the same i i haven't i haven't rewatched them in a long time and i will and we should obviously but I, as far as i remember there's just no great development in future child's play movies yeah uh just like halloween halloween right. has has sequel trouble like uh, nightmare on elm street friday the 13th the sequels they just add more and more awesomeness they can get ridiculous and obviously be stupid etc but like they add more and more each time whereas as far as i remember with the child's play movies it's just like oh right still it's a doll like, yeah, I'd like to explore more of like where what Charles Lee Ray's origins were and shit like that. Like, I'd like to know uh, about that. Well, he used to work for Saruman the White, and then he became oh. Saruman the Gray. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where he gets a big tear in his eye when he sees all the Urukai. And uh. I've always thought that like Brad Dorf is so good in everything, especially. Uh, uh, have you watched Deadwood? No, I haven't. Oh well, he's watch Deadwood. Yeah, he's he's in that like every episode. Anyway, uh, aside from Deadwood, that scene where he has that huge tear roll down his eye at the side of the Urukai is one of the best moments for Brad Dorf. Like it's just yeah. perfect. It's just so like it's like gross and sick and like awesome at the same time. What do you think is the best kill in the movie? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so, I love the voodoo kill. The yep. breaking of the leg, as we said earlier, is awesome. Um, he, honestly, he, he he kills, what, three people? Yeah, because there's, the, there's the, the... Is she like an aunt or just a friend that falls through the window? Yeah, I think she's just a friend, the babysitter. She gets killed. That I like her one, getting whacked with that hammer on the forehead. That's just like a real blunt fucking kill. Yeah, and the suspense of that one is good. Yeah, it uh, is. Whereas the voodoo kill is more like you know what's coming. So I would say, yeah, I'd say that's probably the best one is the, the babysitter kill. I really like the uh, the fucking guy in the, the children's home that gets like the electroshock thing on his head. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's the, got the like doctor. blood coming out of his eyes and shit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fucking good. awesome, man. And it's just like a bunch of like, here's a clip of him getting electrocuted. Here's something else. Here's another clip, and now he's kind of charred. Like obvious, you know, blatant cuts. There's no wow. How'd they do that? But yeah, I loved all the blood coming out of his out of his nose and his eyes and stuff. I thought that was really brutal. That kill would have had more effect if they'd like set up that that doctor was you know. uh charles lee ray's doctor in prison or something right yeah oh yeah that'd be cool yeah because like the the voodoo kill makes sense the the babysitter kill makes sense but like all he had to do with that doctor is just pretend to be a doll that's true that was kind of a gimme kind of kill wasn't yeah. it? yeah but it is the best it is the coolest kill by far you're right yeah definitely so man well, Steve, overall, what's your closing thoughts about this flick, and what would you rate this on a scale of about a un to a ten? Okay, well, the direction of this is really good. Tom Holland is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you don't think Tom Holland's good, watch Fright Night. You'll get it. So good. Fright Night, Child's Play, these are good movies. He did a great job with them. The special effects of this movie are so awesome. They're great. That That is the, the doll... Those eye movements, mouth movements, etc. That is somebody wearing uh, a prosthetic, like uh, a remote control. 
that it's somebody wow. making those faces off screen and they're doing it great like that's really cool they're so good the the doll always looks scary whether it's just a doll whether it's the animatronic or whether it's a, a little person in a mask it always looks scary the story is good it, it moves like there aren't lulls in the no. way that mm-hmm. horror movies often fall into lulls this movie just fucking moves and adds new stuff to the like it, it's almost like the person making this movie was like oh this will be there will be sequels to this for sure sure uh and they were like let's just add in awesome interesting shit to build sequels off of uh, so it's got cool stuff and not everything's explained, which I love in a horror movie. Uh, it also has the major problem of it's a doll. And yeah. The moment you start wrestling with it, you should win. Uh, I don't know, though. Uh, it, it might have weird voodoo strength, but it, uh, barring that, it seems a little less scary the moment there are confrontations between the doll and people. Like, maybe maybe the kills could have been achieved by him setting elaborate traps that would make it look like yeah. it was an accident that these people got killed or something. Absolutely. Or just getting the element of surprise with a weapon, like yeah. he did with the babysitter. Sure, yeah, because you don't, you don't have to be super strong if you yeah. have a fucking razor. You can always yeah, cut somebody's exactly. throat. It's not hard to do. Yeah, exactly. So uh, a little bit of that takes away some of the fear, but and also the the kid is not a good actor, but yeah, oh, at that age it's hard to get a, a an actor who could handle all of this. He does fine with it, I would say. Do you notice how the whole movie like he never really says Chucky, he says Chucky? Yeah, he does. Why he has a lot of pauses between where like he's like he's learning a word. Oh totally what? so, yeah, yeah. Chucky. Yeah. But I would say all in all, this is a great movie. It spawned uh, a fear in tons of people. Like it, it would be like saying Pennywise isn't scary to say Chucky isn't scary. Like right. it, it's stuck with so many people that obviously it is scary. You just have to be in the right group at the right time watching it sure uh as an adult of course chucky's not scary that's exactly my my point is that well i'm bigger than it i could take it but chucky is scary especially for kids maybe tweens uh and so i i can't i can't take a lot away from it there there's not a lot to say negative about it but it's not it's not a 10 for sure i would say this is a seven and a half Right on, man. I think that's pretty fair. I agree with a lot of stuff that you're saying here. I think the direction is cool. I think the movie looks really good and has some really good shots in it. I feel like they they know how to shoot they know how to shoot that doll. Like they know when yes. they should show it full body. They know when it should just be an arm or just a head. Like there's not really a lot of full body shots of the doll when it's not no. a little person in a suit. Like it is a uh, very very cleverly shot, I think, to keep uh, kind of that suspension of disbelief. And like you said, the facial features and stuff like that are really fucking unnerving in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. They're, they're, they're nightmarish. Like it has that nightmarish quality that you had when you were a kid of like weird shit you dream about where it would look right but not quite right. Uh, yeah. I think it really nails that. I think the soundtrack has some pretty good stuff in it too. Um 
And there are some good performances. Brad Dorf obviously steals the show. Yeah. But so good. I think the mom in it is good. And uh, yeah, I guess now that you're pointing out some of the dumb stuff that Humperdinck, maybe some of the dumb stuff that Humperdinck does, maybe he's not that good actually. <laughs> but he's fine. I, I he's not bad. He just obviously doesn't know how to handle a gun. He needs to take a gun safety course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But overall, it's a it's a fun watch, man. It, again, it doesn't have like a big, super badass, scary looking baddie like Pinhead or something like that. But it's still just a cool watch. It has a really good flow to it. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, the movie moves along at a pretty good clip. So I definitely do dig it, man. Um, not my favorite ever, but not at all unwatchable by any means ever. I think I would probably give this about a. I'm gonna go a six and a half out of ten. Very wa- call. Yeah, very watchable, but not not life changing, but a very watchable, very respectable kind of flick. That's true. Unless you live in a house of dolls, it might change your life at that point. Yeah, <laughs> for the better. I could get rid of a few of these. Are you gonna watch Cult of Chucky? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen all of them, so sure, I'll definitely watch it. Like. It seems like it's trying to be a little bit more serious than the other ones. Uh, yeah, it does seem that way. And I don't know that seriousness is something you want to throw into the child's play. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. Honestly, I'll have to I'll have to rewatch some of the, the sequels. And I know they're on like uh, Cinemax Go and things like that. So they're they're pretty easy to find. I'll have to rewatch some of the sequels. I might be wrong. Maybe it was just... Because as a kid, yes, they do affect you, but also as a growing child, you're also at a certain point like, okay, but I'm around dolls all the time and they don't come to life, so this isn't that scary. Right. Like, it, it kind of loses the fear element, which is why I think for, like, you know, Bride of Chucky and things like that, they went more with a humor and seed of Chucky, etc. So... I hope that it, it meshes that humor and, and actual good horror again. Run right on, man. I guess we'll find out soon enough as it is coming out around this week. Now, next week on the show, continuing our our Halloween-relevant horror movie sort of theme here, next week uh, we've got a new soft coming out. We've got Jigsaw, which I guess is going to be exploring the origins of the Jigsaw Killer. So... On next week's episode, we are going to be covering the original Saw from, when was that, Steve? Like 2000-something? 2003, maybe? I think so. I want to say three, yeah. yeah. So we'll be talking about that one. I haven't watched that but once. So, uh, Would you I'll, like to play a game? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to do a podcast. Next to you is a computer. <laughs> to the right of you is your dead wife. Um, if you... Use the computer right, you can jerk off before she's entirely cold. What? <laughs> what? That got weird. <laughs> well, tune in for an episode that hopefully hopefully isn't as weird as that all the way through, maybe? It is. It is. Oh, okay. Well, Steve, where can they follow us on them social medias in the meantime? Well, you can always email us, deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. Oh. I'd like to get those emails. You can also uh, find us at Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram, sometimes on Twitter. Yeah. And we have a Dead and Lovely Pod um, 
Facebook group, which is pretty damn active and fun. Yeah, that Facebook group has been getting really good to me lately. There's been some really great uh, humorous posts from from good yeah. friends on there who I feel like really just get the cut of our jib, Steve. That's right. How about you, Ben? Where do they find you? You guys be sure to follow us on those, and you can find me over on Instagram and Twitter at Ben Eller Guitars, all one word, Ben Eller Guitars. Where can they find you, Stephen? At Stephen Spratling, Stephen with a V, the only way to spell it. You guys, please be sure to go on iTunes, rate and review this podcast. We love doing it, and we love seeing your all's good old five-star reviews for the show. It really helps us out a ton to show up in the search feeds and uh, you know top ten lists and shit like that. So please go on iTunes and rate us and review us. It only takes a second, but... It really does help us out a lot. Keep it G-rated or else they will not post the review and it'll be deemed invalid. But remember, Bambi is rated G, so you can kill uh, a deer's mom in one of our comments. Oh, yeah. Five-star yeah. reviews, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys, as always, for listening to this show. We had a good time. You guys have been absolutely delightful, and we have been dead and lovely. Say goodnight, Steve. I'm going to beat Delilah's ass. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.